Hello, you're here at the Williams Project. This is episode 17 and today we're here to discuss property investment. Welcome back to the Williams Project episode 17. Uh, you're joined with, by myself, Blair Chapel, and Matthew Horncastle. Now firstly, apologies for not doing an episode last week. We were both severely no struck down with the man flu. That's bullshit. We should have done one. And we, we should have sh- done one. We're still a little, oh, I'm still a little bit croaky, but we're just here rocking it. Um, we should have done one last week. We're going to keep up this momentum. So. so today's topic is let's discuss property investment. It's what we're involved in as far as a business, being developers, and also investing in property. Firstly, I want to talk about why property is a good investment. Now, obviously, this is all our own opinions. We don't know everything. It's just our take on it. So, like, do your own research, etc. But this is just our take on it. Yeah, Pro- property is awesome. Like when you when you sit down and invest the time to understand property. Um, and probably there's a there's part of always listen to your DNA. Like I get sexually aroused by <laughs> looking at properties, dealing with properties, building properties. Like that's constructions in my blood. So obviously, when I do it, I'm good at it. I'm passionate about it. If you get sexually aroused by businesses and shares, go do that. You know what I mean? If you get if you love what's another form of investment bonds not that i understand that but like whatever you love look at but we're good at property and also if you look back through history and you look at placing a value of money in property and then looked at looked at how that value of money would grow from over the last 20 years it would absolutely astonish you how well property yeah done. so that's sort of the first point about property investment historically in new zealand it's always done very well it always goes up in value And yes, it might go down in value, but if you put a trend line through it for the past 30, 40, 50 years, everyone that has bought a property several years ago has made money today. Now, the second great thing about property investment is you can do what's called leveraging your money. If you buy shares and you want to buy $1,000 worth of shares, you need $1,000. You can't borrow money to buy shares, or if you can, you can't really do it. You can't do it in traditional ways. With property, you can get what's called a mortgage. So if I want to buy, this is round numbers because I'm not that good at maths. If you want to buy a million dollar property in New Zealand, if it's your own home, you need about two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and and these um, new equity requirements are recent. Like back when we started buying property, you used to be able to buy properties with ten percent down, which was pretty awesome but pretty terrifying. Yeah, so like what we mean by leveraging your money is if you're going to buy a million dollar property, you need two hundred thousand dollars. The good thing is is that property goes up an average of 5% per year, if we just talk really crude averages. Now, 5% of a million dollars is 50 grand. Yeah, but you're, but that's 50 grand. That's That million dollars was never your million dollars. Yeah. Like what Blair's explaining is you leveraged that million. Ten, uh, leverage what, that 200. Yeah, leverage that 200 times five. Whereas with shares, bonds, gold, silver... You can't. You don't have that ability. Yeah. So if you want to buy a million dollars in gold, yes, gold might go up five percent, but you need a million dollars to actually get that benefit. Whereas with real estate, you can put in your two hundred and reap the capital gains rewards on the whole property value. And the thing about real estate is, it's literally just comes down to who can scheme the best. Like if you sit down and think really, really hard 
I want to find a property that makes me $15,000 cash in my bank account every year and I have a budget of $60,000. Like that is a very tangible, achievable thing to do. Like there, there are all sorts of things you can do to property that you can do room by room rentals, the internet's changing property. One thing we don't understand that we need to is this whole Airbnb. There's apps where you can rent your houses out on a room by room. There's all sorts of cool things you can do if you want to invest the time into creating wealth for yourself. Yeah, so a good thing that Matt touched on as far as rentals is that with property you've got two different streams of potential income. You've got your rental income and then you've got capital gains. Obviously, if you buy shares, you've got your dividends, and then you've also got your shares going up in value. So the good thing with rental income, and it's just a topic that we're going to have to touch on for a few minutes, is you have to understand whether your property is going to pay you each year, or whether you're going to need to pay the property to top it up. So really simple, you've got one source of income for your property, which is rent, so you have to figure out what that is. So say it's $500 a week, times that by roughly 50, because it might be empty for two weeks, and you get $25,000 a year of income. Now your expenses of a property is maintenance, property management, council rates, insurance, and interest. You should all have a little Excel spreadsheet called property due diligence, where you have all this stuff in and you enter it and you tally things up when you're looking at properties to buy. And even if you're in the stage of learning, Pick 10 properties from the internet, make your due diligence spreadsheet, and do the numbers on all of them. Yeah, even if you're not going to yeah, buy it. Yeah, it's the exercise. And the great thing about that is you very quickly learn sort of where most properties sit. You sort of learn what the benefits of an older property are, what the benefits of a newer property are. Because obviously a newer property, you've got no maintenance. But at the same time, it's going to cost you more up front. Probably what, what I want to discuss more, I want to discuss scheming. Like, I want you to look at a property, stare at it and think, how can I be more intelligent than everyone else and how can I make more money from this? Like, an example being we bought a house with a sleep out the front, put a fence through the middle and rented as two tenancies. We had two houses side by side, both with reasonable sized backyards. Um, here in Christchurch, you're allowed to use 33% of your dwelling for non-residential activities. So we put a, a fence through the back and we now run a contractor's yard out the back of our rentals. We're now getting really great yields, not because we're intelligent, not because we get some special industry knowledge, just because we stand at a property and go, how can we get an exceptional return on this investment? Like you just got to sit there, stare at it and think. Like it's not hard. Because a good example of that is it's literally you get the same rent for the house whether it's got a backyard or no backyard. Yeah. Like it sounds really stupid, but generally your tenants pay the same. So by cutting off Can you have a billboard in the front? Can you allow them to have their shitty dogs in the house and charge them another $40 a week? What's another thing we've done? We own a a relatively, well, it's a pretty crap property actually. Um, And we were going to kick the tenant out because all of a sudden there were dogs at the property. And instead our property manager said, how about we charge the tenant $25 a week per dog? And we're now getting another $50 a week to allow two dogs outside of the house. How cool is that? If you work that out as a return on investment... That's kick-ass. And as far as if you go, oh, the dogs might ruin the property, there is a chance of that, but at the same time, it's an older house. We've got a $2,000 bond off the tenant. We've got insurance if the property's damaged beyond what the bond is, plus there's an obligation on the tenant if they do damage the property. Mm. Let's talk meth as well. Um, 
Great. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, meth, meth is an ec- epidemic in New Zealand at the moment. Um, if you don't have meth insurance on your rental, go get it. Period. And then the funny thing is that I actually just learned the other day there is only meth insurance if they cook it. There's no meth insurance out there if someone's gradually smoking it. But I think in our policies we have... Got a visitor. Got a visitor. Um, we have what's called long and progressive something damage. It's a line in our insurance it's very factual, Matthew. Okay, well I'm not being The harsh. main underlying point is talk to your insurance broker about the consequences of meth or about just yeah, drugs being cooked because it is the next thing coming up. Well, meth's kind of like asbestos. It's a fair word where people... I'm sorry, someone's breaking into our office. Um, so it's a fair word where if someone smoked meth in a house, it may not do any damage to someone's house, but the second people hear about it, it makes them uncomfortable and people don't want it. And it's very hard to sell a house, one that's had meth in it. Yeah, like there's a new house being sold just recently and the owner just got slaughtered on the sale price because it was because um, real estate agents can't lie. So if the real estate agents know there's been meth smoked in it, they have to tell everyone and it's a fair word that puts people off straight away. Now, another good thing about real estate investment is generally the more land you have, the better because they're not making any more land. If you can get a piece of land with a house on it close to amenities close to town that's not in a coastal inundation zone or a flood it's not in a flood zone or any hazard area it will statistically go up in value because there's more people coming into a city and they're not making any more land so So, generally in our rentals we try have the land worth about two-thirds of the property's value because generally you'll get the most capital gains from that equation yeah and we purchase development sites so like for example a rental we just bought recently we bought it for three hundred thousand dollars it's two one-bedroom flats um but the land is worth two hundred ninety thousand dollars so you're literally just buying the house as a mechanism to make four hundred dollars a week until you push it over and develop the land and we at the time of purchasing that block we worked out what development we would do what we would build what they would sell for and like we could have developed that site right now and made a x percent development margin but we know every year we hold that one there's a holding return and then two the development returns going up a, a drastic drastic amount each year and the good thing is real estate's for everyone like for example that's our strategies because we're developers but for example if you're a nurse or a surgeon or a lawyer you will have no desire to own crappy properties that cause you grief so you really want to probably buy a moderner home which might cost you a little bit each month to keep more modern home more modern moderner same thing mr english sorry yep if you're a young professional you want to purchase a new home carry on yeah if you're a young professional or you're not you don't want to have to look after a property or want to have to deal with fixing it for a potential higher income you are probably better off buying a newer house because it should still statistically go up in value and you won't have to sort of get the phone call of my hot water cylinders burst and i've now got no hot water well the good thing you have how Generally, land goes up in value and houses go down, but the one thing you have when you're purchasing a well-built new home, the price of building at the moment is going up quite drastically, um, it is here in New Zealand, so you're actually getting capital gain on your house as well because the cost to rebuild that house is drastically 
higher each year. Higher each year, So if yeah. your house was $200,000 to build, next year it might be $220,000 to build. So your house will go up and your land will go up as well. Like for example, we're selling a house right now. Um, we bought the land a year ago, uh, probably one and a half years ago, for $65,000. We built a house and we're selling that house for 400000 We couldn't build that house again today. Yeah, because like, land's gone up, so we couldn't buy the section for that price. The cost of building's gone up, so we couldn't build it for that price. And ultimately, if we did, our sale price would have to be higher or would have to lose money on the development. So when someone comes through the house and they say they ask questions about it, you say, I physically could not build you this house again, and it's the truth. And that's how quickly the market changes. And we're in what's called a stagnant market, and it's still noticeably happening in a stagnant market. Which is pretty, which is which is amazing. I've never, um, tra- I've never been a businessman in property in a boom, um, so that's going to be interesting. But we're trading in what everyone calls a stagnant market, and even the capital gains we're seeing is massive. Yeah, and that kind of goes a long way as far as seeing capital gains, which everyone talks about. To a large degree, you make your money when you buy. If you buy at an auction room or at a really popular time, like say you buy in the middle of spring nice sunny day it's auction outside that person will get top dollar so you might get no capital gains for your first one or two years whereas if you buy off a crappy real estate agent the deal might have fallen over a few times and you get it thirty thousand dollars cheaper you've now made your first year of capital gains as soon as you buy that property so there is a large degree of you make your money when you buy yes and i really like real estate agents i have lots of friends that are real estate agents but our, our advice has to be real estate agents not working for you. They're working for the seller. So if you walk into a room and you think you know a real estate agent, you think he's helping you. Yeah, he legally he has legally to work can't for be. the vendor. Yeah. And just remember that. Just remember that when you're talking to him, he's working to get the best price for the vendor and that's his job. Yeah, you're still his client, but yeah, he still will get as much money as he can for his vendor. Yeah. As he should. As, as he should. Because he's yeah. getting paid by the vendor, so he should get the top dollar for them. Yeah. What else about real estate? Well, I want to discuss really tangible things. Like I want I want to think about like we really need to do an episode on exactly how you buy a house and exactly how you get a better yield from a house and exactly how you sell it. Maybe come and ask us some questions about what you want us to talk about specifically. Like I've had a few people want to know a little bit more about like the whole KiwiSaver home loan thing or a little people go should I buy a new house or an old house or the whole, I have no idea what I'm doing, why should I buy a house? So feel free to ask us your specific questions. We can actually do episodes on like how much money you need to buy a house or like, yeah, anything really. What about, this is this is something really cool that I love doing and I do this with our portfolio um, quite often because it gives me a kick. Go through the exercise of purchasing a home put in 5% capital gains a year and put in your rent going up 3% a year and forecast that home's value over a 10-year period. Even five. If Oh, no, no, because humor me. Because if you do it over 10 years, I want you at year four, see if you have enough equity to purchase a second home and then maybe at year eight, try and purchase a third home and go through the exercise saying, if I invest $100,000 in property now, how much? How many homes will I own, and how much equally will I have in equally ten years? Equally, <laughs> equally. How much equity will I have in a ten-year period? And that exercise will surprise you. That's a really cool thing to do. Yeah. And then you understand the power of leverage and the power of property. 
that's good that's actually not a bad summary yeah it's a good it's a good tangible like because like the richest people i know made their money by being gracious at their profession brought property and just laughed they laughed though. just fucking laughed they <laughs> made so much money and there, there is a degree of property may not be as good as it has been historically for the past 20 years the baby boomers didn't have it good um but i think you're mad to think property is still not going to go especially in places like new zealand which are desirable places to live to our American um, listeners, I know that you guys have a more boom and bust market, but that's bloody cool. I'd love to. We're, we're working at coming over to have we play just because we want to trade in a boom and bust market as well. And some of these scenarios don't work. Um, what we're discussing now is in like a progressive growth market. Um, Whereas, yes, just to clarify that, for example, New Zealand historically is just sort of 5% a year, might go up, might go down a little bit, but it's never too far off the trend line. Whereas, like, in different parts of Australia and America, they might go up 40% in one year and then crash 20% the next year and it's extremely more volatile. And that's where you need to be more of a trader, where you buy low, sell high. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so wrapping it up, um, the podcast thing, we love the podcast, but we're probably going to start doing videos. Um, that's the future of the Williams Project. We think we're going to give you more value from... Vi- Shorter videos yeah. with actual stuff that well, we, we want to have like us walking around building sites showing you things we want to have us taking you through our rentals showing you the stats on them we're going to focus this is all about us giving our time to help people that's the purpose of the williams project and where we're strongest is around property um that's how we make our money so we want to actually give you good detailed information videos of us showing your products showing you how we do things and help you because you will be involved in property you have to live in a house you go to a business which rents a commercial building you have to buy a home you have to buy rentals and we want to be the people you think of when you're involved in property and we want to help you be rich or richer um, from property especially because a lot of people our age school doesn't teach anything University doesn't teach well anything about property. It's a big goal. <laughs> School doesn't yeah. teach you anything yeah. about property. Yeah, <laughs> Generally, university doesn't. Almost does spat it. my diet coke all over the table. <laughs> the school's beneficial. It's great. You like that product drop in there? I'll take Sorry. my check later, Coca Cola. <laughs> Carry on. No, just, I'm drinking. When you finish your drink. So, oh, come on. So anyway, what I was going to say You're supposed to spot me. (laughs) Like Matt was saying before, we do this to give back. We like property. We're doing well out of property. We know that the formal education system doesn't explain property, doesn't explain investment. At the same time, there's a lot of different advice out there. So it's just this is our take on it. But if you take advice from someone and they don't own property, don't listen. Yes. Period. I don't care. I don't care what your mother's, well, if your mother owns property, that's cool. But I don't care about your sister's friend. I don't care what you read. Unless the person who's giving you advice owns property in the market you're trading in, don't listen to them. That's how you lose money. On that note, we will see you next week. Yep. Um, personal things, is there anything you want to talk about, Lee? Anything about your feelings? Oh, man flu is pretty horrific. Yes. Well, I was actually thinking if someone, if a pharmaceutical company like Panadol made a pill called Man Flu Cure 
they would sell billions billions yeah any mail that goes into the pharmacy yeah, hey, yeah i've got I, the I, flu I do agree. Yep, yeah here's the man flu it's 1995 yeah you know there is like a vaccine you can get to not get sick you're just scared of needles oh is that why you're not sick well, I didn't get the vaccine either because I was busy. Because you're scared of needles. No, because I was busy. Yeah, Matthew's got a horrific fear of needles. <laughs> or whatever. Okay. He's going to not lie to the people here. I'll throw this orange at you. Um, also, I went defensive. to um, the Suicide Squad yesterday. I think we should have a part where I review movies. <laughs> it could be a segment I could rap. could review the movie in rap format. Maybe not. Okay. Anyone's still listening? No, I agree. We should just wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. All, All right. right. See you next week. Catch Bye. You.